Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study of the book of Proverbs. Um, in this session, like the last, we have, we've made a detour from the book of Proverbs and we're looking at Job chapter 28. Now in verses 1 through 11, which we studied in our last session, it was talking about what men will do in order to gain earthly treasure, gold and silver and fine jewels, that they will put themselves in very dangerous and dark places in order to obtain earthly riches. And the idea that we're going to see here in, in Job 28 is that if men are willing to do that for earthly treasure, how much more willing should we be to do that um, for the wisdom of God, for the treasures of God? Now, young person, please understand me. I'm not just trying to wax eloquently here. I'm not just trying to give you some piece of poetry. This is true. This is not make-believe. I know that, you know, if someone walked up and said, um, I'll give you a million dollars, but you can never study the scriptures, or I'll give you the scriptures, which would you choose? The fool would choose the million dollars because there's nothing more precious on this planet, no treasure greater than the scriptures that God himself has given us, the inspired word of God. So please take this seriously. We're not just talking, but we're talking about how we ought to live. And we're talking according to conviction that the Word of God is more precious than all the treasures in the world. It's like it says in the text. You know, it says, it talks about the dust of this mine contains gold. And I told you in last session that, that many of the great preachers in the world of yesteryear used to say, uh, the dust of this book is gold. And it's true. Now, let's read our text. Uh, verse 12, chapter 28 of Job. But where can wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says it is not in me, and the sea says it is not with me. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire, gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living, and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and death say, With our ears we have heard a report of it. God understands its way, and he knows its place, for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens, when he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, when he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt. Then he saw it and declared it and established it and also searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, there's so much here, so many good things, so many great truths about your wisdom. And Father, who am I, who is anyone to expound them, to bring them out? But I pray, Lord, that you would help me and that you would help the young people who are listening to this video to, to understand, to comprehend that your word, your truth, your wisdom, and most importantly, your son is of infinite value and we need them desperately. So please, Lord, help me in Jesus name. Amen. Verse 12. But where can wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? We'll see that it's not with men. It's with God. And to have it, we must seek God. And he goes on. Verse 13. Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. Man does not know its value. It is so true. It is so true. I just imagine, you know, on the day when, when Jesus Christ was hanging on a cross, the most important moment in, in history, not just of this planet, of, of everything. The greatest moment in the mind of God and how many people walked by and simply saw just a victim dying on a cross, crucified, not knowing that the cosmos were being changed. And the greatest revelation of God was before their eyes. Men did not recognize him and men do not recognize the value of scripture. And we need to pray, oh God, you young person, please know that you're inherently not wise. Cry out to God, please make me wise unto you, unto your will, unto your son, unto your word. He says, man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. No, you will not find it in a man. Only to the degree that that man has saturated himself in the word of God. You see, even preachers, they, they have no authority or knowledge of their own. And they only speak with authority to the degree that they rightly um, interpret God's word. Always remember that. You can be really impressed with personalities, but um, some of the greatest personalities are not preaching accurately. And even though I, I seek to be sincere as I teach you, know this, that, that no man is infallible, but the Word of God is infallible, inerrant, inspired. Study it. Study it. Verse 14, the deep says it is not in me, and the sea says it is not with me. You know, whenever the Bible talks about the sea and the deep, and it sometimes personifies them, treats them as though they were living beings. Um, the idea is that the deep and the sea are, are great entities. They are, they are mighty. They are magnificent. They can swallow up a man. They can swallow up a thousand, of a thousand ships of men. But they humble themselves and they say, it's not in me. I didn't make myself. It's not in me. Don't look to me. In me, you will see wisdom. But they say it's, it's not from me or in me. It's from the one who made me. Isn't it amazing that the sea and the deep have more wisdom than some of the greatest scholars who walk this planet? Now, he goes on and he says, 
It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir. Ophir, the gold from there was the gold of highest value, the purest form. And yet, get all the gold from that place and put it in a scale and put wisdom, the wisdom of God, on the other side of the scale and it will outweigh the gold of Ophir. Precious onyx and sapphire, they have no value. They're like rocks, rubble, broken concrete compared to God's wisdom. Gold or glass cannot equal it. You don't think glass is worth that much. It's very common today, but at this time, no. Very difficult to come by, almost like gold. And yet it says, even gold cannot equal it. All the gold of Fort Knox, or bring in all the gold that's in the world, and it can't equal one line of the wisdom of God written in the scriptures. And then he goes on and he says, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. You know, there are people who will sell their soul for gold, but it's very, very foolish. But if a man had all the gold in the world and he exchanged it for the wisdom of God, he would be considered wise, not only among the redeemed in heaven, but among the angels themselves. And of course, God would approve of what he had done. He would, he would say, you have made a fine purchase and gain for yourself a great bargain. And then it says, coral and crystal are not to be mentioned. Now, you might not think of coral as valuing being of that great a value, but it is even today. And But coral is usually found in the depths, and in order to find it, men had to risk life and limb, divers holding their breath for minutes at a time, going down into dangerous places with sea creatures that could devour them, all to find this coral. So it was of great value. He says, it's not even to be mentioned. Don't even mention it. Don't even compare it to the wisdom of God. Don't even say it in the same sentence. And then he goes on, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. You know, pearls are quite exquisite. Even today, you know, some, sometimes um, people can make something out of gold and wear it around their neck and it looks rather gaudy, you know, because it hasn't been fashioned correctly or it's just over the mark. Um, but a string of fine pearls is always considered just of the highest taste and eloquence. Um, elegance. But, but here, it means, it means nothing. And then he brings other things to matter. He says, the topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. He mentions gold a lot. There's repeating. There again, you'll see in the wisdom literature, a lot of repetition. So don't get mad at your teacher or your father or your mother when they seem to be repeating the same thing. Maybe they're repeating it because you're not learning it. You see, over and over, when something is important, it should be said. It is worth saying again and again and again. Like you need wisdom. That can never be said too many times. Wisdom is found in the scriptures. You can't overdo that statement. But most importantly, Jesus Christ died for sinners and in him is found salvation. There's, I think I could say that every hour, every minute on the day, every day. And it, well, I would not grow tired of it. Now, verse 20, where then does wisdom come from and where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and death 
say with our ears, we have heard a report of it. What, what it's trying to say is, is that go to the eagle with eagle eyes and he'll not find it on earth. Dig down to the deepest part of the earth. Go to the grave itself. Um, they don't have it. Wisdom is found in one place. It's found in the person of God. It is found in Christ. And, and that's where we must look. You say, well, I can't go up to heaven to find it. No, but heaven came down in the person of Christ. Heaven came down in so many ways through the scriptures. And that's where you'll find it. Now, when we have exhausted every place, every place to look for wisdom, we now come to 23. God understands its way and he knows its place. He does. You want wisdom? Ask of God. Now, here he's going to show us, he says in verse 24, for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the water by measure, and he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt. Here he's talking about creation. Um, when you look at the world and its complexities, there's just no way. I mean, uh, you can say that you do not believe in God, but there's no way you can just say that this mindlessly, randomly came to happen. The complexities are overwhelming. There's wisdom everywhere from the smallest molecule to the greatest beast, to the highest mount, to the deepest part of the sea, to the tilt of the axis of the earth, to the orbit of the planets and the stars. Every bit of it is pure genius. And so God is basically, he's saying, you want to see who has wisdom? Look to creation. Because when, when God himself, after creating the world, what did he say? It's good. It's good. In that creation was revealed his wisdom. Now, if I want to know how to fix a car, I will go to an expert mechanic. If I want to know how to fix my life, I think I would go to the one who made the world, set it in orbit, planned every aspect of its, of its geography, of its science, of its astronomy, everything. Everything that is, everything that you see, he made, he sustains with wisdom. So when he looked at it, he said, now there's a demonstration of wisdom. When you look at it, you should say, now there is wisdom. Who did this? Because that's the one I want to learn from. It's God. It says in 27, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and he also searched it out. He evaluated what he did. And he said, yes, this is very, very good. And in it is the imprint of his, his omniscience his all-knowingness, his wisdom. And now, the one who made everything, the one who knows absolutely everything is going to tell us about wisdom. And here it is, verse 28. And to man he said, Behold. Now, when you see behold, it means pay attention. Pay, pay a lot of attention. I'm going to say something extremely important. Now, everything God says is important, but when he says, 
Behold, it is very, very important. It's worth listening to, remembering, learning, taking to heart, obeying. Remember what we said about hear doesn't mean just listen. It means acquire. It means obey. Order your life according to it. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? Well, we're going to talk about that actually in our next lesson. The fear of the Lord is a deep and abiding reverence, an honoring and esteeming of the worth of God. It is recognizing something of who he is, what he has done, and what we owe him as his creatures. And more than that, if we're Christians, his people, his redeemed. It's standing in awe of this person. Without the scriptures, we cannot fear God because we cannot know God. But the more we know scripture, truly understand scripture, the greater our view of God will increase. It's not that God gets bigger. He's already there. But our understanding, our image of God, removes, becomes farther and farther removed from idolatry, wrong opinions of God, and closer and closer to who he truly is. And the more we know about him, if our hearts have been regenerated, the more we know about him, the more we will have a profound, and that, that's too shallow of a word, a profound fear, reverence, estimation, and honoring of him. So the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. That is wisdom. A man may be very ignorant in many things, and, 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 and I'm not saying that's right, but if you had to choose where you are going to be ignorant, you should choose to be ignorant in all matters, but have one thing of which you're not ignorant, and that is the fear of the Lord. And what does that fear do? And to depart from evil is understanding. If you reverence God, there's, there's no such thing as reverence for God and a um, neglect of his sovereignty, a neglect of his will. You see, if we truly reverence him, then we will do what he says. Now, we do what he says because, well, he really is God. He really did make us. But we do what he says also because he is all wise and he is all loving. He's all loving, so he desires better for us than, than we desire for ourselves. And he is all wise, so he knows better for us than we know for ourselves. So the fear of the Lord is a profound reverence for God. And it will lead to a, a sincere obedience to his will. But remember, how will you obey the commands, the will that you do not know and do not understand? You can't. So where do you begin? In the revelation of his will, which is the scriptures. 
Well, God bless. And uh, in the next session, we'll be back in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, and we'll be looking at the fear of the Lord. We'll just kind of look through the book of Proverbs and see what it says about the fear of the Lord. Well, God bless you. And until we uh, meet again in the Word, praying and applying what you know, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.